Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Just a few moments, I'll have uh, David and, and Mimi come out and, uh, and share with us. And so, for those of you, this is our very first service. Today's just a little bit different for us. Uh, we, uh, we usually, as a church, host an annual missionary retreat where all of our stateside missionaries come together and, and we're able to love on them for a few, uh, a few days uh, there and, uh, and, and build them up and, and, and have them encourage each other mutually. But over the last year or so, we've not been able to do that. <clears throat> and so we thought it to be very appropriate this year to just have a steady uh, influx of our missionaries coming in and sharing with us. And France is one of those one of those. Uh, uh, countries that we have been active in for a, a long time as a church and uh, very grateful for the work that is continuing to go, to go on there. But before I, before I get to that, I, I just want to say how the, the image of worship this morning and the beauty, and I, I was just struck. You know, many of you know by now that eight of us from church just recently got back from the Ivory Coast, and, and there's so much animism and darkness there, and, and, and their whole whether they're Muslim or whether they're fetishers, uh, everything is based on fear. And I think about even in our world, you know, people just, we always feel like we're being chased by something. And, uh, you know, we're afraid that something's gonna overcome us or take over and, uh, and take, take even our life. And so as we walk through life, man, without Jesus, everything's always chasing after us. But when you look at scripture, you know, the psalmist said, surely, I mean, this thing I know, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so when you turn around and you look how God pursues us, he's not looking to attack us. He's not looking to take something from us. Uh, He's pursuing us with goodness. And you never have to worry about how God is pursuing you. He is chasing you with his goodness. And so when you pause for a moment and reflect on that, when he does uh, come over you, you, re- you evaluate what he's leaving you is his goodness and himself. And uh, he's not looking to take your life. He's looking to give you his. And I just contrast that. I just want to encourage you this morning that, you know, if you are, if you are experiencing victory today, thank God for his goodness. Paul says in Romans chapter two, verse four, that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And we need to remember and reflect on how good God is to us. And as a country, how good God is to us. And every one of us in this room have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ because someone, at least a generation before us, said yes to the Great Commission, that they were going to make disciples, that they were going to evangelize. And I thank God that 70 years ago, there was a group of Christians in Russellville that that followed the mandate of God and established this church so that generations later, we could walk in their faithfulness and, and continue to produce our own. And uh, just thankful for that. And a lot of places around the world, they don't have that luxury. Uh, when they look around and they see their God's chasing them, they're fearful. And uh, so it is our responsibility to partner with those around the world who are going. And so first I want to talk about Mimi because uh, our partnership as a church was with her first uh, years ago. She is a, uh, a French national and, uh, and she is a product of missionaries going and presenting the gospel in, in France. People like Patsy Van Hook and some others that Jerry and Barb Gibbs that we've partnered with for so long. 
and churches are getting established and developed and, and, and generational uh, families are now becoming generational in, in their faith. And uh, so as a church, I've talked to this this past Friday night, we did a debrief uh, for our trip to the Ivory Coast. And, and I've shared this with the deacon board since we've been home. I don't want to be a church that takes mission trips. Uh, I want to be, a, I'd like to be a church whose people are always on mission. And whether we're here in Russellville or whether we're in France or whether we're in the Ivory Coast, uh, we're making disciples. That's why we live is to help people find and follow Jesus. So I don't want to just expose people to different cultures. I don't want to show people poverty because that looks the same everywhere you are. But I want to be a church that is establishing faith, a, a church that is, that is partnering with people, long-term commitments to seeing the world uh, experience the kingdom of God. And so thank you for your ongoing giving. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but uh, I'm very grateful for the work that David and Mimi are continuing to do and making our arms so much longer uh, to be able to reach all the way to France. So I introduce to you today, many of you for the first time, David and Mimi Reeves. Good morning, Connect Church. We're so thankful to be with you. Um, if you remember some of you who were here about a year ago, we were actually able to come because we were just coming off the field. And I'm pretty sure you guys may have been one of the first churches that we were able to visit whenever we came back. And we have some wonderful news to share with you. Because of your partnership and other churches like you, we're actually now fully funded and we'll be returning to France. Uh, yes, thank all glory. All glory to God. I mean, it's, it's been just a real crazy year. You guys know that just as well as I do. And we came in, whenever we were coming back from France, we had no clue what was going to happen when we got back in the U.S. And the Lord has been just, as we sung in the song, he's been so good through it all. And we, uh, we had everything we needed through everything. And now um, we'll be returning to France, Lord willing, uh, by June the 1st is whenever the borders of France open back up. So we're so thankful to be able to share with you. That's the first thing we want to say to you is thank you, really, because you guys, uh, you're such faithful partners to us in ministry. And I say that in sincerity because partners in ministry is what you are. You guys, as Blaine was saying, it's not about going on a mission trip for you guys. It's about partnering together and seeing disciples made from around the world. And we're so excited to be able to share with you some of what God is doing. Some of you are brand new to us. You've never met us before. You've never seen what's going on. And maybe you think, why France? Why is France a mission field? And I have the privilege to introduce you to my wife, who gets to say this better than anyone else as a French national, and uh, being able to explain a little bit why France is so dark and why it is the way it is. Uh, Many of you guys know France uh, to be a beautiful country with good food, you know, the Eiffel Tower, there's a lot of movies, you know, where you see this place, and it is a beautiful country. Uh, but a lot of people do not know uh, how dark spiritually that country can be. Uh, in the whole of France, we have about two, less actually than 2% of evangelical Christian. Uh, most of the people in the country would uh, say they are uh, atheists or uh, Catholics, but a lot of times they are non-practicing Catholic. Half of my family is that way. Uh, they all will tell you they're Catholic, but they never 
Most of them have never even held a Bible in their hands. Well, even my family, they have at this point. <laughs> but but uh, growing up, they never went to church. They just went when they were baptized as baby, and that's it. They'll go back to maybe get married or be buried. But that's about, but that's about the only relationship they have with the church. Uh, and so growing up in a country like that, it is very different than it can be in America. I lived in between uh, Nantes and Saint-Nazaire. Uh, it was kind of a, more in the country. Uh, you know, but there was no other Christian in my town than my family. There was no Christian in my school. I was the only Christian out of 600 people. Uh, and so that's really our reality. We don't meet another Christian. Uh, we, are, we are it, basically, and, and, uh, and the, the field is wild. You know, we have to, to go and, and go after the people, you know, try to reach them and uh, bring them back to the Lord, and, and that's our prayer. Uh, but I, I always like to give a little bit of my personal story because I feel like we are connected in that story. Uh, I feel a huge debt of gratitude towards this church and so many other churches uh, in, our, in our denomination because you have sent your own people, uh, people from here in Arkansas and people from Tennessee uh, to come reach people like me. Uh, many years ago, you guys sent Patsy, Jerry and Barbara Gibbs, uh, you gave to them so that they could come and speak to people like me. And uh, in my family, uh, we were in a really dark place. Uh, we would never go to church growing up because it was so it was so hard. My mom was a believer, but she 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 married a man, a Frenchman, <laughs> that was had really had a really really hard life, uh, and so he had a lot of anger issue, and and with that came a lot of abuse, and it was really difficult time, and uh, they, they had five children. And we just struggled f for many years. Our, our childhood was not a happy one, uh, sadly. But uh, one day my mom decided, ah, that's it. I'm going to church. And she went into uh, a church that Jerry and Barbara Gibbs planted uh, with Patsy, actually. If, I, <laughs> if I'm right, yes, I'm right. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we started going there, me and my younger sister. Uh, my older siblings would not come. But eventually, uh, one after the others in our teenagers, all of us, five children, we all became Christian. Uh, we all accepted the Lord, and we all grew in our relationship with God, and, and we all became transformed. It was really, it was really something completely different. Uh, in the house, it was, it was a lot of uh, hurt uh, came life. Uh, and our dad started seeing how much we were transformed. Uh, and, and he was impressed. He was, he was like, wow, if, if you guys can be changed, maybe I can be changed. And so my father came to to church, and he was also discipled, and he actually became a Christian as well. And I can tell you that really uh, made us strong in our faith because we saw our dad that struggled so much being completely renewed. Uh, I, I never see my dad getting mad anymore. David has never seen my dad getting mad. Uh, maybe when he drives sometimes, you know. <laughs> it's a hard place to drive in France. You can ask Blaine. <laughs> but, but honestly, uh, I really can tell you uh, God has changed our whole family. Uh, and, and I'm so thankful because uh, I know uh, God could have found another way, but he chose, to, he chose to use you guys and he chose to use your own people uh, to come and reach us. And I am thankful that you were willing to say yes and that you were willing to send uh, and go for the one that went. Uh, because I don't know if we would have met the Lord without that. And we need so much more people. <laughs> the, the task is not done. There's so much more French people that have not heard, that have not held the Bible. Uh, they say about 80% of French people will never hold the Bible in their hand in their lifetime. 
And going to school, it's really, it's atheism 101. They, they don't, you know, they really teach you, uh, how, you know, that it's, it's a heresy to believe in religion. But we, our ministry is really here to break down those walls and show them that, hey, there's really great reason to believe God. And we actually are a living testimony uh, because we've seen our life transformed. And we're just uh, so thankful for you guys. And uh, I'll let David uh, keep going in the presentation. He speaks so much better English than me. <laughs> he has a Kentucky accent. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll let him explain you uh, more in detail some of the things that we are doing. And um, just thank you again for uh, your generous giving and just your, your broken heart for the lost because you are making a difference around the world and in my country. So thank you so much. I may, I may be a little biased, but I'm so drawn to Mimi's testimony because it's, it's remarkable how five children in a family, a lot of times we hear statistics like if the father is really the key of bringing the family back into church, which could be very true. But in this case, God used five kids to bring the father back into church, which is really unique. And within that, um, if you've ever wondered uh, about a product of missions, there she is sitting right there. If you ever wondered where your money, where your prayers, things like that go, how, how much of a blessing is it that, that your prayers are actually sitting in the room with you? That's pretty neat, if you ask me. That's a pretty cool story of how God has just answered generations worth of prayer over the years and generations worth of support. And now you get to see that. And now that fruit of that support is going back and ministering to our own people. That's just such, a, such an incredible story, an incre incredible blessing to be a part of. Um, what she told you is, uh, if you look at France as, as a whole, the culture, um, there's only about 2% evangelical Christians in the entire country. And in that bluish green region on the screen, um, it said you can bring that statistic down even lower to 0.2% of people who, who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we're talking, whenever you're in 0.2 numbers, that's where math and me don't get along. But that's, that's about one in a thousand people that know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So just think you're going to the grocery store, you're going to work, wherever you go, more than likely you're gonna run into somebody who doesn't know Jesus. More than likely, everyone you run into is gonna be someone who doesn't know Jesus. And in times that can be very difficult. That can be very difficult if you're going to the grocery store and you realize, oh my goodness, every single person I run into today needs to hear about Jesus. And it can be overwhelming at times, but God is doing some incredible things. And a lot of times whenever, before we went to the field, we would tell you this situation and we would tell you the need. What's going on? There's a, there's a large need in France because there's very few people that, that even have exposure to the gospel. The average French person, a statistic says, will never meet a Christian in their lifetime. Will never meet someone who knows Jesus, who's a disciple of Jesus. And that, that, break, that broke my heart. That broke my heart for the French people. And when I heard that, I was like, I wanna be their friend. I wanna be a friend that can lead them to Christ, that can show them who Jesus really is. And that's what God is, what's really cool is now we kind of get to tell you what God is doing through our work in France. And if I'm kind of right on the edge of this working, if you could advance the slides for me, I think I'm gonna have trouble with it because it's not wanting to cooperate anymore. But this is our church building. This is um, what 
Oh, thanks, Blaine. This is a product, again, of your prayers and your support. God has um, raised up a group of people now within our church. This is, if everyone comes, you kind of know how that is. If everyone comes on the same given morning, we'll have around 35 to 40 people. And for a church plan of three years, we're seeing God is doing some really incredible things in our little, little city right off of Nantes, the larger city. But God is doing some really cool things. You see a lot of young kids. You see a lot of young families. A lot of people, even within this group, about, I would say, probably um, a good percentage are non-believers, which come and attend our church regularly, which is pretty neat because they're married to a believer, but they're a non-believer, and they're coming um, most every Sunday to hear the gospel. And we're excited, and we're asking you to pray with us that these people's lives would be changed. These people are non-believers within our group, and that they would get their family on track, and they would uh, get their family, because uh, whenever your family is going two different directions as it comes to worldview, you're not going anywhere. That's what I see. And I just want to see their family go somewhere, and that is in the right direction with Jesus Christ. But we do, we've really seen, so you might be asking the question that I ask, how do you minister to a group of people that, as Mimi was saying, have been raised from a very early age to, to doubt God, to not believe in God, to actually say that he doesn't exist even, and to go beyond that and just Jesus wasn't who he said he was. All religions basically do the same thing. The Bible isn't reliable. All these things, they have been taught from a very early age, and how do you break through with these people? I'm going to be honest with you, it's not us. It's not our ability that's doing that. It's being faithful to what God has called us to do. That's what it is. And sharing the message, being bold in our proclamation of the gospel, going out and regardless of if we're going to be ridiculed or humiliated, sharing with somebody, because you never know how God's been working on that person's heart. You never know what's been going on. And we've seen people in our group come to our church because they had a Christian friend. They had a Christian friend who stepped out and shared their faith with them. And because of that, they came to our events. They came uh, and just became friends with us. And then through that, they were open to the message of the gospel and the message of Jesus. We, uh, we try to do a whole lot of different kind of events. If you know French people, if they've been taught from an early age to doubt church and not put a whole lot of uh, weight behind it, they're saying, well, I'll never walk into a church building. That's what the average French person says. So we have to get out there and try new things. We, st we started an English night, for an example. And that's been a way that we open up our church building and people come into our church building and they find out, oh, this is a church, but they're learning English. They're learning something and they get to meet other Christians, which is really neat. And then through that, they say, hey, these Christians aren't as weird as I thought they were. Um, I'm willing to step out and get to know them more and relationships develop. And then through that, you see the Holy Spirit, the word cuts, right? We read in scripture, the word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the joints and marrow, and it cuts through our heart. And we've seen that firsthand, guys. We've seen the word cut through people and actually take these opinions, these opinions that they had, and it drastically changes. And you can go on to, this was the next slide. This is how that happens. What we have seen God doing some incredible things is through our Gipons events. Gipons. Does anyone want to try to pronounce this with me? Soiree Gipons. Oh, I heard some, some people are getting it right, actually. That's pretty good. 
But um, what that means is a night of thinking is what it means. And we've seen, okay, so how do you minister to people that are so opposed to the gospel? Well, we got to challenge their worldview, right? We got to bring them and show them what Christianity really says. What does Christianity talk about as it comes to authority of scripture, as it comes to who Jesus is, as it comes to existence of God, religions, do they all do the same thing or is Christianity unique? And we show them that Christianity is unique. We show them that Jesus is who he said he was. And we have seen, guys, this is really neat. At our events, we have seen God move in incredible ways through these events because we had, at our very last event, we had about a 220 people come, which if you know France, if you talk to Patsy much, you know, I mean, they struggled for years years, sometimes a very long time, and people wouldn't come to church. I mean, it was basically just them and just a few people. The average church size in France is maybe 20, 25 people, and 220 people piling into a room, 80% of which are non-believers. This is exactly the people we're trying to reach, and we're so excited because they're coming to something that they haven't come to before. And they're interested and the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts and they're signing up for discussion groups afterward. And we're seeing people's lives changed forever through events like this by we're just simply challenging worldview, saying, why doesn't God exist? And just talking through that with them and saying, why do you think that? And then introducing them to new opinions, new ideas, showing them the creation that he has created and saying, look at it, did this happen by chance? And bringing them to a conclusion that, you know what, God might really exist. And then through that, it opens the door to talking about Jesus and so many other things. And we're so excited what God is doing through this event. You can go on to the next slide. And this is just an individual I wanna tell you about, and it's a girl named Mary Lynn. Um, She is actually a really good friend of my wife and her sister, my wife's sister, and, Every person you hear me talk about this morning, there's gonna be something unique in their story, and that is that they met a Christian friend. And I think that's something we as Christians really need to think about. Because people in the world, even here in America, we've been so polarized, and I'm not talking politically, but we can talk about that, but we've become so polarized that we won't get out and meet people that don't think the way we do. And that's what we have to do as Christians, guys. We have to get out into the world. We have to get out and share with people that don't think the same way we do. And that's what happened in Marilyn's case. Marilyn reconnected with an old friend who was a believer. And then through that, they started, they started talking. And it simply just became that. And eventually, she was invited to a Jupons event. And she said, you know what? I'll give it a try. I'll come. She came to a second one. And she said, we've got to talk We've got to talk about these ideas. And then she started a discussion group because those ideas, she's like, oh, I have so many questions to ask you. And that discussion group turns into a Bible study. And then that Bible study turns into Marilyn getting to John 4 or around that. And she says, you know what? I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want him to be the Lord of my life. And we're so excited about that and that newfound faith that she had found in Christ. But as you know, whenever we become believers, there's often pushback from the world, right? There's often the enemy. If if there's any light, uh, just think 2% believers, any light coming up, the best he can do to stomp it out, he's going to try. 
And for Marilyn, it came in the form of her family. Her family told her, parents specifically, because of her decision to follow Christ, they didn't want anything to do with her anymore. They said, uh, we won't be coming over. We won't be calling. We just total disownment, pretty much. Marilyn has four kids. The grandparents said they don't want to see the kids anymore. They said, well, that's persecution, guys. That's, that's a social level of persecution. But I want to tell you that smile you see on her face never left because anytime the church doors were open, she was there. Anytime, okay, the bathrooms needed to be cleaned, she was the first person to volunteer. You don't have anyone volunteer for that job, but she's volunteering. And then she's contributing ideas for future ministries, which is really neat. She said, wouldn't it be cool if we tried to do this to reach people? And I'm like, yes, that's what we need to try. And we're so excited because she's contributing to the ministry. And if you think about it, you think, well, look what, look what she lost. But she, I mean, I can speak for her. What she lost is no comparison to what she's gained in Christ. And I think that's what we realize when we become Christians, right? That even though we're rejected by society, even our family may reject us for this decision. What we gain in Jesus is no comparison to what we lose. And that's what was the revelation for her. And now, guys, she's, she's in our church and she's praying for her family. She's praying one day the seats next to her will be filled by her parents. Hmm. I'm praying with her for that too because that's just another incredible story that's just waiting to happen. Another gospel story of these people were so opposed, but guess what? Now they're in the very family of God. Wow. Let's go on to the next the next slide. So our Jipons events are growing. We've seen when me and Mimi first arrived in France, there were about 150 people that came to our event. And as I told you before, our very last event we were able to hold, pray with us about this because COVID has affected us. Our very last event we were able to have, we had about 220 people come to our event. As I told you, 80% of those people were non-believers. We're so thankful for what God's doing in the lives of people. Um, and it's just really cool for us because 220 people is just something that you don't see much in France. Whenever you're at church gatherings or about 25, you see 220 people, there's excitement created within your church, especially when 80% of those are non-believers. I've got another story for you, and it's about a guy named Cyprian. It's this guy on the far left here. Um, he's kind of, you guys might have a guy like this in your church. He's what I call the Swiss army knife of our church. So basically if there's a task that needs to be done, he's the guy to fit the job. So if we need somebody playing the bass, he's like, oh, that, I'll do that. Uh, if we need somebody to hang drywall, yeah, that'll be me. Uh, we need somebody teaching a class. He's like, yeah, I can do that. He's just such a, such a faithful servant. And we're so thankful to have him. A lot of what we do probably couldn't get done without him, and we're just so thankful that God has, uh, has led him to us. But as you know, before we know Christ, we all have a story, right? We all have a history where we weren't following God and we were following our own desires, our own ways. Some of us, that was a lot shorter. Maybe we were seven years old when we were believers, but we were still stealing cookies from the cookie jar, just like anybody else. We all have stories where we were doing things our own way before we knew Christ, and Cyprian, before he knew the Lord, he was living with a woman who wasn't his wife. Uh, they were expecting their first child. Eight months into the pregnancy, she tells him, 
Uh, well, she doesn't tell him. He just comes home from work one day and realizes all of her stuff is gone. She left. No, no note, no text message, no phone call, nothing. He just comes home and she's gone. And um, turns out she went and see, Jerry Gibbs told me before I came to France, said, you're going to see some things in France you thought you'd only see in the darkest corners of Africa as it comes to spiritism. Well, turns out she had went and saw a, a palm reader and this palm reader told her to get as far away from Cyprian as she could. And just think of how, how quickly she changed her mind because of that opinion. And that's common in France. And that happened, and Cyprian was devastated. As you can imagine, he met his daughter, the girl sitting on his lap. He met her for the first time in a McDonald's parking lot when she was three months old. Uh, completely devastated. But Cyprian, like Marilyn, like others, had a Christian friend. And who was there for him whenever all this happened? Joel Teague, the Christian friend that I'm talking to you about. And he was there, and Cyprian came over to him and said, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I don't have any security in my life. The woman I thought was going to love me forever is gone. My daughter, I don't know. It doesn't look good that I'm not going to win a custody battle for her. I'm probably going to get to see her once every two weeks. And he was devastated. And Joel tells him, you know what, Cyprian, I can't promise you security in this life. It's, I can't do it. It's not possible. But I can promise you something better. And it's something on the other side of this life. It's something that can't be touched by suffering, by disease, by pain, by cancer. Something that can't be touched by that. And in that moment, Cyprian said, I need it. I need the Lord. I realize I've, I've done wrong in my life and I need a savior. And he accepted Christ as well that day. And we're so excited about his new journey, but that's not where the story stops for Cyprian. This is where it gets exciting. Because Cyprian came to the realization as he became a believer, my daughter is growing up in a non-believing home the majority of her life. He only got to see her once every two weekends. And he said, my daughter's in a non-believing home the majority of her time, and I want that to change. So anytime he dropped his daughter off at his old girlfriend's house, by this point she was already living with another guy, he dropped, he dropped his daughter off at their house, he would witness to them. Get this, he would share his faith. And then before long, he was inviting them to the Gipons events. And you can imagine for a long time, it was no, never, we'll never be a part of that. But then eight years later, they said, you know what, we'll give it a try. We'll come to a Gipons event. They came and they said, you know, we got to hear more about this. They came to a second one and guys get this. They said, we'll be in your church every week. And now you see these people sitting on a couch together, and I'm not sure how this works even myself. I'm like, how does this happen? How in the world does this happen? Because the world says it can't, right? The world says that she should never be forgiven for what she did to him. The world says in our, our, our flesh nature tells us to hold on to that, to hold on to that anger until it becomes a bitterness, that's what the world tells us. But that's not what grace tells us. That's not what the gospel tells us. The gospel tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. 
And we're seeing that, guys. We're seeing stories like this. People in our church, whenever the world comes in, they think like even, even I'm thinking right now. They say, how in the world does this happen? When you know their story. It's, it's the gospel is the reason it happens, right? Because we all have broken stories. We all have, that's our church name is Mosaic Church. If you know what a mosaic is, it's all those broken pieces of glass coming together to make a, a beautiful picture. Well, that's what we think the church is. It's just a bunch of broken people with broken stories that God has brought together to make the most beautiful thing our world's ever seen, and that's the church. And that's the beauty of what God can do in broken stories like this, guys. If I wanna see more broken stories in our church because when they're here, the world sees it and they don't know what to say about it. They don't have any evidence. They're like, whoa, I don't know how that happened. Well, we know how that happened and that's just the working of the Holy Spirit in people's heart. That's how it happens. And we're so excited at what God's doing in this family's life. Cyprian, um, those two, they got married not long after. Uh, they got married a few years ago. Uh, that was not Cyprian that got married, but the other two on the, on the couch, that was Clotilde and Florian, that was their names. And they got married, and those two boys are their boys. But um, that's just, they actually invited Cyprian to their wedding. That's how much, like, it's so weird, right? So weird how that happens. But, I mean, that's just to show you how good of a friend he is, how good of a guy he was. He was there all along. And now uh, we're just so thankful for what God's doing in each one of their lives. But I ask you to pray. They have not accepted the Lord yet, but they're coming regularly to our church. And they are, I mean, they're right there, right there on the edge. So I'm asking you to pray that they would make a commitment to Jesus and to, to Christ. And you can go on to the next slide now. And these are just more people you can pray about. I could go on forever about stories um, that we've seen inside of our church. Um, for example, Yen up here, that is Marilyn's husband. And I was telling you about spiritism. There's a whole lot of that in his family. I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of detail there, but his sisters were self-proclaimed witches. There's a whole lot behind that. And he says his family, so his four kids are the founding members of our youth group. His wife is on fire for Christ. She's doing some incredible things within our church. And he, whenever he describes what's gone on in his family's life, he says, it's like my family got on a bus and I got left at the bus stop. And he says, you know what? There's just something blocking me from accepting Christ. And Mimi and Liddy, we, he had heard the gospel many times, many times over. And Mimi and Liddy kind of came to the conclusion. They said, maybe, maybe there's something spiritual going on here. Maybe there's something a little deeper. And we found out that story about his past with his family and the spiritism. And even him, he had been doing some things he shouldn't have been doing in that, in that regard. But guys, get this. He came, this is, okay. Each one of the people on this screen right now, since the last time I was in Russellville, there has been some incredible things happen in each one of these people's lives. And what I'm about to tell you happened while we were here in the U.S., Yen, Liddy and Mimi put together a kind of a, a course for people who have had a history in spiritism, the occult, 
stuff like that. They put together a course for that. And Yan came. He came to that event. And by the end of it, he came uh, to Mimi's sister, Liddy, and said, I want you guys to come to my house, and I want you to go through my bookshelf. Show me what books I need to get rid of. Show me what objects I need to get rid of in my house, and I want you to pray for me for deliverance from this, because I feel like this is what's blocking me from relationship with Jesus. And guys, what an answer to prayer, right? A lot of times we pray for deliverance for people, but how incredible is it when they're coming to you and they're asking for it? I think Jesus, what's he say? Knock and the door will be opened, right? And he's knocking, Yan's knocking. And I pray that you would pray for us with him, that God would deliver him from this. We've seen some incredible progress in his life. And we're asking you to pray for that with us. Each one of these people, Stephanie, for example, she was in my language school class. Uh, she actually dated a guy who was in language school with me. And we met, him, met her just by a coincidence, really, and invited her to Jipon. She came a couple times without even telling us that she came. And then after she was like, yeah, I, I came twice to Jipon. And Mimi was like, what? How did we not know? Why, why didn't you not sign anything or stay around? And then she started coming regularly to our church. We did a prayer meeting not long ago with our church. And we hear Stephanie praying in the conference call that we're in on a prayer meeting. Guys, God's doing incredible things in people's lives. And we just get to relay this to you and tell you what he's doing. We're so excited about it. Uh, if you'd like to follow us in ministry, I'm, I'm going to tell you how you can do that right now. If you have Facebook, if you have Instagram, you can go and look up David and Mimi Reeves serving in France. We try to post a weekly update. Like this week, you're going to see David and Mimi. Uh, we're at Connect Church in Russellville, Arkansas, and you'll be able to see some pictures of that. You'll be able to hear kind of testimonial. You'll be able to look back at the other churches we were able to visit while we were here in the U.S., um, as well as when we get to the field, you're going to see specific event dates, like when we're going to be there, uh, when our next Jipons is happening, when our next English night is happening, uh, when basically any event we have, we'll try to keep you in the loop and know when that's coming so you can pray for us in ministry. We have cards in the back. If you would like, these are updated cards. You might have got some last time we were here, but I encourage you to get one again because this one actually has Jade's picture on it. And, uh, you know, she's prettier, she's prettier than me, at least. Not, maybe not her mother. Her mother is pretty. But um, the, you can see the two prettiest people in my family now on the, on the card. So uh, we're so thankful for that. If you grab those cards, we'd be incredibly thankful for it. As well, we have a, a newsletter. Again, there's a white card in the back. If you take that white card, leave your email address if nothing else, on that card, and I'll get you signed up for our monthly newsletter, and you'll get to see kind of, more, this is more of a concise version of what's been going on, if, you, if that's more your, your route. The reason we asked you to connect with us is because we, we need your prayers. Guys, what you've seen this morning is kind of the Michael Jordan highlight reel, like the Michael Jordan dunk. You don't see the Michael Jordan double dribble or, or travel. That, you never see the highlights of that. But there's been times when it's been very difficult for us in France. There's been times when we've invested in somebody for six months and they've decided, no, this isn't, uh, they walk. They say, no, this isn't for me. I don't want to be a part of it. And that's so hard. You guys know that. If you've been discipling people in this church, you know it's hard when someone says, no, that's not for me. 
I don't, I, I don't want that. And it breaks our heart because we know how Jesus has changed us, right? We know how Jesus has just completely changed everything, every way we do things. And we think that that should be the case for everyone. But some people say, no, I would rather have this. I would rather have this. And there's times when it's very difficult and we're asking you to pray with us ministry and also just be a, um, more efficient in your prayers. I know this prayer does a lot and it's, Lord, I pray for David and Mimi and everything they do. I know that that's, that prayer works, but how much, more, how much more is that for your prayer life? If you can say, Lord, I pray for David and Mimi, they have an event coming up this Saturday. Yan and Mika are gonna be there. Lord, I pray that you would speak to Yan and Mika's heart. Wow, that engages you, right? That helps you know and gets you passionate because you're a partner. You're a partner in this ministry and we wanna connect you to France so that you can know specifically who to pray for, uh, what events to pray for, some really cool things with that. And you can go on to the next slide. And you can lastly, you can partner with us. I told you already that we're fully funded. So we are, we're getting ready to go back to France. But if you'd like to partner with us, the mission told us we're right kind of on that edge that if we lose a little support while we're gone, um, a little more monthly support could help us out. So if you would like to partner with us monthly, we would be more than happy to walk you through that. If you'll meet with us in the back, we could talk about that a little more detail. As well, I wanna share this with you. We wanna build a team. We wanna build a team in France. And if you feel God calling on your heart, if you feel him leading you to this ministry, you're seeing these things and you're like, Lord, I would love to be a part of that. I would love to be in France please come talk to us afterward. We would really love to speak to you about kind of the options, the, the, the possibilities that exist in France, guys, because there's a lot of things opening up. There's a lot of difficulty. Um, I haven't shared with you, a lot of you probably know about the political situation right now in France. There's a lot of um, hostility towards the church going on right now. But guys, I just wanna share with you how there are, the fields are white. The fields are white in France. And if you feel God laying on your heart to come to France, please don't walk out the doors without talking to us. We would love to talk to you and love to sign you up for our team because we need new teammates. We need more people because there's just so much work to be done. It can't be done by four people. It's just not possible. So if you'd like to be a part of that and you would say, you know what, I'm surrendering to God's call in my life to go to France, please talk to us afterward. And then I want to leave you with a story. Um, it's a story about a, a mechanic. Um, his, he was really passionate about working on cars. That's kind of how he, you could describe this guy. He just loved it. That was, so he was um, just passionate about it. And his son, he had a son about five or six years old, and his son really noticed that in his dad. And one day, he asked his dad, Dad, can I help you fix the car today? And the dad, okay, he's passionate about cars. So he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it together. Because he wants to pass on that passion to his son, right? He wants to see that and they want to take part in it together. So guys, the son's five or six years old. He knows nothing about cars or greater engineering, nothing like that. So he goes out and what's he think fixing the car is? He thinks fixing the car, his dad, whenever he comes back from working on the car, he's got grease all over his hands. He's just dirty, filthy. 
So what he thinks fixing the car is, is so he reaches in there, gets some grease, starts rubbing it on his hands, gets a little on his face, and runs back in the house, and he tells his mom, Mom, I helped Dad fix the car. And his mom looks at him and says, Oh, you did. And so Dad comes back in the house, and she asks him, Did he help you fix the car? And then the dad says, Yeah, yeah, he did. He was out there with me. And you know what's the important part about this story? Isn't the ability of the son right? That's, that's really of no importance in the story. The importance of the story is the father, the father's passion for working on cars. And because of that, uh, his son helped him with that. And a lot of times I feel like that son. A lot of times I feel like I don't bring a whole lot to the table. Is it, he's given us all talents, don't get me wrong. There's some incredible talents that we have and we get to share with the body of Christ. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't have a lot to bring to the table. But guys, it's not about my ability in the end. It's about the father. And what's important about this story is that the son has the same passion as the father does. And that's what the whole of scripture is, right? We look through it and there's a a crimson thread woven through the whole book. And what is that? That is God's passion for people, coming to know him, being redeemed. That is the crimson thread woven through scripture. And what he's asking us to do in the Great Commission, as Blaine was saying, is just to take part in that passion. He gives us the opportunity to take part in his work. And it's not like we're, like I said, it's not like we're going to do that much, but he's going to work through us if we let him. And we're going to look back one day and say, wow, look what God has done in Russellville, Arkansas. Look what God has done in Nantes, France, because of a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of passion at what God uh, is passionate about. And that's what I'm asking you to consider this morning. Maybe this morning... You've lost track of that. Maybe this morning you haven't been focused on the Great Commission. Maybe you haven't been looking for ways that you can make disciples individually. And I pray that if anything else that I can say to you this morning is that I can inspire you to get back to making disciples, to get back to sharing your faith. It's not about your group leader or your pastor's faith. It's about you because you can reach people your pastor never will be able to. And that's what I want to challenge you with. God has people for you to meet, you individually, not to bring them to someone else, but that you can walk beside and walk in faith with. What a great purpose that is. What, how, how great is that to know that the God and creator of the universe has a purpose for you specifically? Wow. And I want you to pray about it with me. Maybe that purpose is in France. Maybe that purpose is to minister to people like you saw on the screen this morning. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your passion for the nations. That God, even though 
our talents and abilities are limited. You choose to use us. Even though we fail, and as we were singing earlier, your mercies are new every morning. God, we're thankful to be able to take part in your work and be servants. Lord, I pray that you would make us disciple makers who make disciples. And on and on and on. Lord, I pray that we would be passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Lord, break our hearts for people who don't know you. Break our hearts for France. Break our hearts for Japan. Break our hearts for places all around this world. Even here, break our hearts for the neighbor who lives across the street from us who doesn't know Jesus. I pray that we'd be passionate about what you're passionate about. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, David. I'd like to read a couple of verses that struck out to me. Acts chapter 28, the very end. Let me set the context. Paul is uh, going through really difficult days. He's not quite uh, arrested uh, yet. And, uh, but he is coming near the end of his ministry. But this is Acts 28, verse 28 through 31. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. And that word sent comes from the same word as apostolos or apostle, apostle of Jesus Christ, one who has been sent uh, for a purpose. And and this word uh, uh, apostello is, uh, it means the thing that is sent. And so, you know, God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. And, and I love the last part of that verse, and it says, and they will listen. And they will listen. But how will they listen if, if they don't hear? And by the way, that word listen is akuo, which is where we get our word acoustics, which means to, to hear with understanding, not just to hear words, but to respond in a, in a productive, healthy, obedient way. And so I think about the book that demands us to make disciples as Christians. And then he says that God's salvation has been sent. It's, it's out there and, and they will listen. And uh, it says for two years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You know, and David and, Mimi and Donald, they've done everything that they can possibly do. They've filed all the paperwork and they've gotten all their visas and all their green cards and now they've got all their funding and they've done everything that's possible to be able to get back. And it's odd that even as a French national, I mean, you know, Mimi's citizenship's in France but can't get back into her own country right now. And so everything that could be done in human terms has been done to get them back. And so now we just wait. And so there's still hindrances And so let's just pray that the Lord will open the door quickly so that they can return. Uh, I want to give you a little more information. As a church, we've been partnering with Mimi for a long time. And now uh, she and David have been married for uh, for a while. And and we've partnered with them uh, for some time. And uh, we do that through our global outreach budget as a church. And so while it's important for, for you to give, it's also important for us to give together. 
And so uh, there are cards out there that will explain how to give, but I would encourage you uh, to walk alongside of us as a church. Uh, We have a missions budget that we like to try to meet every year. And over the last year, that's really kind of taken a a hit. We're grateful for your generosity and ongoing support, but uh, I want to make sure that missions doesn't take a hit too. So I would encourage you that if you if you would like to support David and Mimi, that you would do that through our global outreach budget. If you have any questions about how to do that, uh, I'd love to have that conversation with you so that so that as a church we can continue to meet what we've already committed uh, to do to them. Uh, and yet, and being fully supported, there is an attrition rate once they get out of the country. You know, you know the saying, "Out of sight, out of mind." And sometimes that happens. You hear a presentation like this, and you hear these stories of these folks, and you want to make a you want to make a quick commitment to give, and then once they're out the door, somebody else comes in, and and so does your pledge. And so, uh, I would love for our church to be able to take up the slack in that. Uh, that fooling funding. So when they experience that attrition, they don't really have to worry about that financially. So just because they're fully funded doesn't mean we still don't have a responsibility to give. Uh, but I do want us to pray for them. I want us to pray for them together, but I want us to pray for ongoing. But here's, here's something I've been challenged with this morning, and then I'm gonna, I'll be done after we pray. But I, I think some of us probably ought to consider going to France uh, and not to take a mission trip. But, but maybe to go and to partner with the gospel of what God's doing. So it's really easy to look around the room and think, so well, somebody else ought to go because they're more qualified or they have this or that or the other. But I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray about those things. I want us to pray about what God would have us to give to them and how God could take the blessings that he has given to us and how we can use those for his kingdom even into France. And I want us to pray about, Lord, I mean, I want everybody in the room to pray this. Lord, would you, would you want me to go? If you want me to go, show me that you want me to go. Uh, or how do you want me to go? Because God has definitely called, and he's already sent the gospel ahead of, of, ahead of us. And they will listen. They will understand. And I get so excited when I hear how one gives birth to another and to another. And, and it's very New Testament to me because we've had missionaries there for, for 50 years. And... And now we're praying for individual people that are close or they're new Christians or whatever. And you look at the New Testament and you see Paul calling out names because these are first generation people and you don't know all of the completion of their story, but we're sitting here because they continued to minister without their names being told. We know these people's names, but I can tell you they're going to reap a, they're going to reap a harvest too. And, uh, and I, I want to be a part of that, of what God is doing throughout all of his creation. So, so help us as a church help them by giving. Uh, help the kingdom of God by praying for them. But I want us to pray that maybe some of us should be partners with them on, on the ground. What does it look like for us to, to figure that out uh, as a church and be a, not just a church that goes, but a church that sins as well. Uh, so let's, let's pray together and ask the Lord to work on our heart. The gospel has been sent. It's there. And you know, we've prayed and, and I've struggled for 30 years. I've struggled with the amount of fruit that's coming out of France. I mean, it's, it's hard to get excited about what God is doing in France until recently. It's been a cold, dark place in France. And 
And now we're starting to see a little light flicker. And I just, uh, I can't help but think that when you start to see that light flicker, Satan's going to do everything that he can. If you watch the news, you'll see what, what the president and elected officials have been saying about missionaries and Christians and comparing them to Muslims and terrorists and different things like that. It's, we should expect that, right? Shouldn't we expect this? We shouldn't cower in fear. What, would, what in the world, why would we be so arrogant as to think 2,000 years later it'd be any easier for us to present the gospel than it was for the Apostle Paul? And yet, there are times where it can be done without hindrance, as, as Acts 28 reminds us. So that's, that's what I want to pray, is that they will have boldness, favor with God to be able to share the word with anyone who wants to come and visit. Just take a moment and just pray. Lord, how would you have me reach the French? How would you have me? How, what tools are you putting in my hand that would allow me to extend into France? Lord, we thank you for being so good to us and giving us your favor. Lord, I thank you for, for, for tapping us on the shoulder as a church for generations now to partner with, with missionaries and uh, with, with pastors who are church planters and the difficulties that we've had in France. But Lord, now we're beginning to see fruit, powerful fruit. And I just, uh, I ask that you would help us to continue to see that and that we would name some of these names as we pray. Uh, Lord, you've put resources in our hands. I, I pray that we would, we would turn some of those loose and that that our, our mission budget as a church would be fully funded because we, not because we have made an obligation, but because, because we, we are not a church that takes mission trips. We're a church that's on mission. And, uh, and thank you for, for team members like David and Mimi that go and, and do the work and that we can support and invest. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to carry that passion uh, to give, even to sacrifice to give. But Lord, I pray that you'd put it on some of our hearts to go. That maybe you would make it clear by your spirit testifying to us that you have, you have called us to be set apart to go. There's every reason in the world not to. You know, we immediately go to our excuses. But this morning, I just pray, Lord, that you would allow your peace to override our fear. Or some of our young people may need to consider what does it look like to prepare to go. And if not there, Lord, think about going to France. We don't have to go to France to be a missionary. We, we go to France because we are missionaries already. And so, Lord, help us to realize that uh, it's not in writing checks and, and taking trips. It's, it's going to the store and it's cutting our grass and it's relationships with the, our neighbors. And uh, so, Lord, help us to be on mission for you. Lord, we thank you for your gospel that has changed our life. We thank you for your goodness that has pursued us and then covered us and the mercy then that follows and the grace that we walk in. And, and we thank you for all the benefits that we have had in walking with Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow those blessings and benefits to flow through us and not just into us. Help us to be a kingdom-minded people.
And while we await the kingdom of heaven, we live boldly, courageously in the kingdom of God. Thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your call on our life. We thank you for your spirit that empowers us. We thank you for the body that we can be encouraged by and held accountable by. And Lord, everything that we touch, everything that we have, every heartbeat, every breath belongs to you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.